The Grid. A digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, I got in. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to Analytical Fanboys. I am your returning host, The Vacuuminator, and I am joined, as always, by the digitized Boingo Rider. I'm fucking post-humanity, bitch. Yeah! But we are not alone. Oh, shit. We are not alone, everyone. On this return episode, we have a very special guest with us who you may have already met in a very recent thing that Chris did while I was away. And if you haven't already, there will probably be a card up in the right-hand corner. Go listen to that right now. Um, We are joined today by... The king of the Kia, the king of the Kia hunt. I had a whole thing prepared. I'm sorry. I'm I'm skipping over my words. He is the king of the Kia hunt. He is the roller coaster. He is the Floridian nightmare. Cody Burke is here. How's it going? It's going good. How, how's it going with you? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. So you're here. Because you apparently love Tron Legacy. Yes. I love Tron Legacy. It's probably my second favorite movie of all time. And I put it on the list mainly because I the list had been thinned out and I was trying to unfin it out. But I'm genuinely excited to talk about this movie because I hadn't watched it in a couple of years just because I, I don't generally pull stuff off my shelf and watch it anymore. But... Uh, Watching this the other night was like a religious experience. I am so happy. I am riding the high of this movie, and I'm excited to talk about it. But uh, first, because it's the nature of the show, we got to ask Chris. Chris, have you ever seen Tron Legacy before? And either way, what did you think of it this time around? I have seen Tron Legacy before. I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters with Cody. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty yes. sure. This was 2010. Yeah, were... this came out December 17, 2010. And uh, fun fact for the listeners at home, the next day is when I made my first YouTube channel. But, uh, like, I'm pretty sure we all got into a friend's car. We went and watched this. And, like, on the way there, we just jammed out to some Daft Punk. As you do. But yeah, this is top-notch, high-quality film. Uh, yeah, really good. It's, really uh, good. it's it's such a fantastic flick. Um, and notable because it's not the first soft reboot, but I think it's the first like good soft reboot. Because you had Superman Returns before this, and depending on who you are, that movie's either okay or terrible. I'm in the okay camp. But... Uh, this, this is just such a fucking great movie and uh, kind of pushes every single one of my buttons. Um, there's there's so many directions we could go in just talking about this. But uh, I want to s- start off by saying, because I had forgotten about this, 
the visual style of this movie, not just in Tron, the, 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 the grid world, in, in the real world, this movie looks fantastic. Like, the way it's shot and lit and everything. I I didn't realize this until I was watching the Red Letter Media video after my uh after my rewatch. Uh but it's shot like a David Fincher movie. And I think that's why I later in life became a David Fincher fan. <laughs> that's a weird way to get there, but sure. Yeah. I it's... mean, most people kind of get into it with like Fight Club. I still haven't seen Fight Club. I know David Fincher because of Gone Girl. I, I just I just squinted my eyebrows and go like, fuck, you haven't seen Fight Club? There's a lot of big, famous movies I haven't seen. I haven't seen Blade Runner. Um, oh, what's another good one? I haven't seen... Uh, I'm just I'm looking around in my room for movies. Like, stuff in my room will be stuff I haven't seen. <laughs> Have you seen RoboCop? I have not seen RoboCop. All right. <laughs> I said that because over. that's Cody's favorite movie. I, ru- I ruined the podcast already. Uh, world record, everybody. <gasps> uh, the, uh, Cody's playing a game while he's talking to us, by the way, so he might have just crashed or something. Anyways, uh, yeah, this this movie is just so fucking gorgeous. Like, everything's like subtly and realistically lit it has this sort of warm and gentle feeling to it in the real world and then when you go into the grid it just all of a sudden becomes like perfectly cold and clean and it looks like just the best design porn you've ever seen it Um, looks like someone took the design aesthetic of of like 2015 Microsoft and 2010 Apple and just extrapolated that for the future. Yeah. Um, and by the way, while we're bringing up real life computer companies, I love that in the opening of the movie, they use MCOM to like make jokes about real world computer companies. Like there's that, there's that bit in the boardroom meeting where Alan's like, uh, did we make any changes to the operating system this year? And the CEO's like, this year we put a 12 on the box. It's like just fucking delivering a big old bitch slap to 2010 Steve Jobs. Yeah, like, but also at the time I kind of got it. But as I learned more about like GNU stuff and Linuxy stuff, it just made me go like, made me understand this whole proprietary thing more and it's just like yeah fuck people who do that with software software should be free and open source and all that kind of jazz and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. and like i've heard people or i heard people back when this movie came out uh complaining that like sam felt like a really bland just generic white guy protagonist that whole opening scene is there to endear you towards them because he's like this this fun but cool rebel who's trying to help people that are being hurt by his dad's company now. And like for me as a kid and me now as an adult, it totally works. Like he comes off as just the coolest, most chill dude ever. But he's also got baggage. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's really a shame that like because I think he did a pretty good job, especially in that scene where him and his dad first reunite. Um, like this this actor went on to do other stuff, but like nothing else that was big. The biggest thing you could find that he did after this was he played Murtag in the Aragon movie. Ooh, yeah, that that was before this. Was it before? Uh, let me check IMDb real quick. It was before this because Tron Legacy was during the uh, Xbox. Oh yeah, Aragon was 2006. This was 2010. My bad. Right, because I had the Aragon PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor bastard. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm looking at his IMDb thing and like. I I don't recognize any of this shit. What the hell is Mosaic? Apparently that's a TV show. He was in a f- bunch of episodes of that. I thought I had seen him in something recently. Uh, in 2019, he was in three things. He was in Triple Frontier, Dreamland, and Dirt Music. That's three things I haven't seen. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but no, it's... It's really solid, and and he has that kind of like anarchist programmer vibe, like mm-hmm. like the Linux user, like that kind of thing. Uh, and that's really kind of cool, and it informs. And there was like speaking of just like the set design, the vi- general visual design outside of the grid. There was a good six months when I first watched this movie where I wanted to like live in a warehouse like that. Oh yes, me too. Oh, cool! It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent the reason why I have any interest in shipping container houses. Because like, oh, yeah. whenever it has that like reveal of his like slick ass house, and just like how everything's like so open, and he's just sitting there overlooking like the um, lake, I'm just like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. That and uh, I think also for a good while, because I did watch the original Tron right before this came out to catch because I thought I needed to catch myself up. Um, Kevin's whole thing of like owning a video game arcade that also had like a bar in it and sleeping in an apartment above that. I thought that was dope as hell, too. Yeah, highly ill functional today, but yeah. (laughs) Um, And. Yeah. Also, solid Ducati bike. If I remember uh, right, he had a Ducati. Yeah, he had a Ducati, and he was also fixing up his dad's old Ducati. That's that's like a whole moment they have together right before the third act. Um, and uh, yeah, that that whole opening scene is just so brilliant because it perfectly sets everything up. It's like here, Sam and his dad establish their relationship. Dad goes missing. Ten, how many, however many years later, here's adult Sam. Here's where the company is now. This company that you know from the third movie. Bunch of different people running it. Alan's the only one who's still there, and even there, he's only there as kind of like a pity job. And um, here's the son of the bad guy from the first movie. Maybe he'll be a bad guy in the next movie if there ever is a next movie. He's played by Killian Murphy, so I think that's where they were going. Um, here's the CEO, he's a dickhead. Okay, Sam does his prank, we get a little bit more about Sam from this, and then he goes back to his house, he meets with Alan, and we figure out 
how their relationship is and how he's kind of reluctant to look into his dad anymore, but still wants to. And then we go to the grid and we get what people would consider to be the actual story. It's it's so just like there's everything. And I love that. That's that's good storytelling, as I believe they call it. To yeah. um continue, Chris. No, 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 go. Um not to try to like dwell on anything, um, but talking about like the bikes where he's like talking to his dad about the one he's fixing up and like the one he has himself. Um I like appreciated that part of the movie, but I always liked more uh whenever he's uh in like his dad's virtual house. And they show off like the original light cycles and stuff like that, and like oh, yeah. some of the older models. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I, it took me a long time to get this one up and running." Like, like, par- like making that parallel, and then like seeing him drive that, and just like, I remember being kind of mad because he like just gave it to somebody. Like he just gave it to a dude, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that just... was to play into the whole um, removing oneself from the equation theme, but I don't really know if it was done in the best way. Well, like as a theme, I don't have a problem with it, but just like as like a person who likes actual like antique vehicles and stuff like that, and just that whole because like that's like the whole part of the. I was just always like, oh, it's cool to see that still acknowledged because like it, it's old code, you know, like it's it it still makes sense, like no matter what way you look at it. And it's I mean, I guess in like the same way that like people like to play around with older computers and older like operating systems, you know, it's it's something akin to that. It's just a it's just a cool thing to me. Yeah. Um, and side note, side note. um, I was mentally preparing myself for this podcast on the wrong thing. Oh. Um, so, because like we, I talked about it in the chat earlier, um, I actually watched Tron Legacy as soon as Disney Plus came out. It was the first thing I watched whenever Disney... Like, I, I came home, paid for Disney Plus, and I'm like, all right, Tron Legacy done. Like, that was like a month ago. Like, I mean, it was a little bit longer than that. But like, I've watched the movie like again since then. Um, I actually thought we were talking about uh, the show for some reason. Oh, um, Tron Uprising! I haven't thought about Tron Uprising in so long, but oh, that was that was that was a good time. Like, which is fine because, like, I was like trying to like jog everything back up for that, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I could still do this; it's fine. But then, like, I'm realizing we're talking about the movie. Like, as soon as like we got into the podcast, and I was just like, oh, dude, done. Like, um, so. <laughs> That's the problem with having like your franchise just be one name with a one word subtitle. Like Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean can get yeah. away with it because every movie is like a Stranger Tides, it's a fucking that World's End. I love They're how you call Eggland's best, you know, just whatever. <laughs> I love how you call Tron a franchise, because that's kind of the the joke with this movie, at least for people who aren't into it, is like the the tagline of this movie really should be if at first you don't succeed, try and fail again thirty years later. 
because this was when Pirates of the Caribbean was starting to peter out and Disney was kind of like scrambling around. They hadn't bought Marvel yet. So they were like, shit, shit, shit. We need another big franchise. What have we got? What have we got? Uh, People remember Tron fondly for some reason. Okay, make a new one. Throw a bajillion dollars at it. Honestly, though, like if Tron Legacy didn't happen, we wouldn't have an MCU in Star Wars as it is right now. Yeah, because that's that's kind of an, another big thing with this movie is because um, the original gets lauded for pioneering digital effects a lot. But like this did just as much work and its influence is still being felt right now. Like this is I have checked. This is the first use of de-aging CGI. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know no, what, I'm gonna... X3, X3 would be it. Oh, shit, I forgot about X3, because I always, I always, like, blink and miss that scene. Um, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's barely there, but this is the first time it's been a major character throughout yeah. most of the film. And even when the movie came out, people were going, like, eh, it doesn't look that good, it's kind of off, it looks like a PS3 game, and I'm like, that's a bad thing? At the time, PS3 games looked amazing, and it, it looked amazing, and watching it, I watched the Blu-ray for the first time tonight, or last night, because um, I, had, I hadn't had a Blu-ray player before the last time I watched this, but watching it on Blu-ray in the year 2020, I think it still looks good. Yeah, yeah it looks really solid, especially when they're in the grid, and some of the some of the jank can be hand-waved. Yeah. But, like, not even just, like, effects-wise, but, like, plot-wise, formula-wise, structure-wise, and just a general, like... Here's not necessarily a play-by-play template for a blockbuster summer film, but just a general, like, okay, cool, we don't have to make a Pirates to make an action film kind of Mm -hmm. thing for Disney. Like I said earlier, this was this wasn't the first soft reboot, but this was kind of the one where everybody figured out, oh, this is how you do it. Um, like you can look at how this one takes plot elements from the original and reintegrates them and has a few cheeky blatant references here and there. And you can go and look at something like uh, a little movie called The Force Awakens and go like, oh, 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 Disney. Disney did this before. Oh yeah, and even uh, the, for lack of a better way, describing its stunt production of having Daft Punk, they are, they're still doing that with MCU with Taika Waititi and Thor and Sam Raimi for Doctor Strange. Uh, flipping, oh god, I just forgot his name. Kendrick Lamar doing songs for Black Panther. Yeah, but like and this was her album. By the yeah, way, an entire album after they had already gotten a good number of songs beforehand, like uh, Legend has it from Run the Jewels. Mm. But like, actually, well, that's that's getting off topic. But yeah, no, we fucking go everywhere. It doesn't matter. I was just gonna mention how like the Run the Jewels song didn't actually show up in the movie, if I remember, because like. Uh... I don't remember it showing up when I watched it last night. No, it was in like the first trailer. Mm. And it was supposed to be a bigger part of like the film soundtrack. But then like they started talking to Kendrick Lamar and they were like, 
hey, this we, we can get Kendrick, or is, is everybody okay with that? And everybody was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, but still, run the jewels. Fucking yeah. fantastic. Their new and songs were great. <laughs> while we're talking, while we are talking about music, I think I think it's kind of safe to say that this is one of the greatest movie soundtracks, if not the greatest movie soundtrack of the last ten years. Oh yes. Like, um, it's in my regular rotation on Spotify and has been yeah. since ever. Yeah, I, like all the time. Like, I have listened to the soundtrack more times than I have thought about this movie because I just have playlists of different moods of just, like, if I'm in this kind of mood and I want to listen to music, I'll put on this. And there's a song from this movie in just about every one of those playlists. Um, It, it is genuinely one of the most solid fucking soundtracks. Uh, real quick, do, does everybody have a favorite track? And if so, can they name it? It's the fucking club Slim scene. Lives. Okay. For me, it's the club scene. That's D-Rezzed. Yeah, D-Rezzed. Um, my favorite is The Son of Flynn, which is the song that plays when we first see adult Sam on his Ducati. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's good shit. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about some other characters, because we talked about Sam and uh, Alan a good bit. Um... What does everybody think of Cora? She is she is okay, but she definitely plays into the Did Man you ever see Fifth Element? No, 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 it's a different trope. It's called uh Born Sexy Yesterday. Oh, okay, I see where you're going. It's basically like, oh, it's this young innocent girl, but she's like completely mature and intellectually competent equal to me, but like it, she's only like a year old, like she's not a real lolly. She's a thousand year old dragon. (laughs) See, okay. Well, so no, I, I fully get what you're saying and I'm trying to make sure I'm remembering this correctly. Um, I guess this is going to be the second time I bring up the show again. Um, because I think she's like one of the main characters in that, if I'm not mistaken, and that show is set before the movie. I'm I'm not saying that I'm not saying that as a logistic thing. Like, oh, she was just oh, yeah. yesterday. I mean, it's more of like she is naive to the understanding of the world, and that naivety is the innocence, and then the fucking cat suits the sexy. Mm. It, um, it's mo- it's I much would, more playing into that kind of like, oh, look how fucking innocent she is and how attractive that is as a character trait. I would agree with Chris in that that's how the audience is supposed to perceive her. However, and I have had actual arguments with people over this um, when the movie was new. I perceive her relationship with Sam as a brother-sister thing. I don't see them fucking post-movie. But I, I feel like as much as you might want that to be, I think it's definitely a Hollywood thing to make them that. At least I felt like that. But they didn't really like 
do anything, which I do like. I like the fact that like they didn't like get into it or whatever. But yeah, it would have been like a third movie kind of thing. Stuffing this movie has in common with another one of my favorite movies, Pacific Rim. The, there's a male and a female oh, yeah. character that have a very strong relationship, but they don't feel the need to have the characters kiss at the end to get it clear to the audience that that's what's going on. Don't they kiss, um, though? No, they hug. They embrace. The, yeah, I've, I think that's... I don't remember them actually like hugging. I rem I remember her. They're both on the like. They're both on like a raft in the middle of the goddamn ocean. Oh, you're like, thinking of Pacific Rim. I was thinking of Tron. Oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah, like in, in Pacific Rim, she's like on them. She's yeah. like primed on that type of deal. But um, I was like, would you call holding on to somebody while you're on the back of their bike hugging? No, I mean, but yeah, I'll, she does yeah. lean onto him, but like, and, and but she also, and she also closes her eyes and like a feeling of trust, and it's like, oh, the warmth of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I definitely I guess... like. I think that I think I I like the character. I think she's fine. I just think if she had like one or two more lines of like, I'm smarter than you actually than like my naivety is presenting. Yeah, because they say, like, she's read all of these big thinkers, but then they, the punchline to that scene is she at, she thinks Sam has really met um, Jules Verne, and she's like, what's he like? And they never follow that up with her, like, referencing one of those books in a big philosophical way, which is kind of a, a running problem with this movie, if I were to say this movie has problems, is that they keep going, like, Oh, the ISOs! The ISOs are this big, incredible thing. They're the key to everything. Like, philosophy, science, we're gonna blow the door wide open. And they never elaborate on that because they were planning to do a third movie in two years. Uh, but, it, and like, to a certain extent, it has... It has a lot of philosophy in the text. It's just never elaborated on a, to a fuller extent. Mm -hmm. Like there is levels of post-humanism. There's levels of, um, I think it's Dukar uh, who said, I think therefore I am. Mm -hmm. The whole clues, whole thing of like, he is, he is a person, but he's also driven by this central idea that was given to him because he's a program, and as a program, he had to have a directive. Which... There's, there's elements of, like, faith, uh, religion, atheism, all throughout the text. But it's never like, hey, by the way, we're directly talking about this. So it goes over everybody's head, and to that point, it makes people think that this is a much dumber movie than it is. Yeah, yeah, it makes people just walk out of the theater and go, uh, it's, just a, it's just a movie about a guy getting trapped in his computer. It's kind of cool, I guess. That's an actual quote from a video that I watched of the time of people reacting to the movie after they had just walked out of the theater. And, like, to an extent, it, I mentioned it earlier, there is levels of like RoboCopness in this movie. From what I know of RoboCop, I can kind of see that. It, 
it's all about like what what is a person what makes a person a person is it the soul is it the body what constitutes the human soul Mm. yeah Um, with with that like i i think i agree with that i mean there's other elements in robocop that are completely unrelated like police states and and jesus well, maybe the police state thing has more of a connection because a clue. Yeah, clue. I mean, clue kind of basically cyber Hitler. That's he kind is, of yeah. That's kind of just like bad guy. Like oh, bad guy. He's very fascist. Like he's capturing people, having them killed for sport, and then like having them remade as his mindless soldiers that he will take into uh, another world and take over there in order to make it all perfect. Yeah, and to a level that also that talking about big themes, this is about AI and the importance of getting AI correct. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a similar situation of like, how do you teach a car to solve the trolley problem? Yeah, <laughs> like that's a thing they're currently trying to figure out. Is like, uh, we we got to tell the car to kill one person instead of five. <laughs> That's a genuine. That's a genuine thing that AI designers are having to, to deal with right now. Because, like, if there if it's gonna crash, which direction do you want the car to go in? Yeah. Um. And I love that we do actually get that scene of Kevin creating this version of Clue. Uh, because Clue is like a throwaway character in the first movie. He's in the first scene, and then he gets derezzed, and that's that's all we see of him. But here, with him being the villain, we get a couple flashbacks and, like, a major, major important one that I think, in order to get what his character about, is we actually see Flynn creating him. And he just programs him by saying two sentences. He says, you are Clue, you will create the perfect system. And it's like, boom, you can see where everything went wrong there. Yeah, because it's human intention and programming and logic and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of fascinating things in there and like and like i said earlier there is a hint of religion there because like in the first movie users were treated as gods and here they're almost still kind of treated in in, in a similar reverence but kind of more like hushed tones of like who it's he's sam flynn he's a user it's it's very subtle, but there's stuff I love, like just little details in the movie, like when Sam or when Kevin first appears during the battle in the club and like the whole thing goes dark and you just see a few people in the background, like get on their knees and into the praying position. It's like, oh, they're they, they worship the users. Um, And uh, then there's also very. Um, like the opposite end of that, of like it just driving people to be like manically insane in that same scene, like when Caster is fucking just shooting into the crowd and screaming, "It's the son of our maker!" Which, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I I loved that character so much. He's a great character, yeah. and it would have been a great character to bring back in a sequel. Mm-hmm. Space Loki is pretty cool. Yeah, fuck. Regular Loki is pretty cool. Um, I mean, regular Loki is kind of space Loki, considering where Asgard is. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is Cyber Loki. Um, um no, I like that character a lot too. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's another character that gets expanded upon in the show. Um, but... I remember after. Oh, sorry, you keep going. No, you can. I was. I can't even remember where I was going. Oh, Dan. I was just gonna say, like, I remember as a kid, because uh, this this movie came out when I was like 11, um, I think. Uh, I remember as a kid after seeing the movie, I would say all the time because it's it's something Caster said, and I just thought it sounded so cool. Change the scheme, alter the mood. Like I had no idea what that meant, but I, I just thought it sounded cool. Like yeah. genuinely, it's kind of like change the wallpaper. <laughs> Yeah. Add a screensaver. One uh, one minor thing. Uh, I remember, like originally, like the, my original take back from this, from that character, and like that scene with Daft Punk that I was like exploding over. Um, like later, the more I thought about it, it kind of made me think that like I'm like I don't know, man. That guy's kind of like a dick. Does that mean that like since he's like giving them commands, I'm like, are they also dicks? Like. It's, it it has zero importance to it, but like it's something that I've thought about for whatever reason. <laughs> the internal like, man, morality of fictional versions of Daft Punk. That that that's your next video, Chris. Also, Tron Legacy is an isekai. Oh yeah, I was planning on that. Yeah. Um. I'll do that right after I make the fucking You're Wrong About Luke Skywalker in the new trilogy video. Oh, dude. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we really need to touch on. Well, um, we do need to mention how the carpet brings the room together. It really does. It's, it's nice. You do get the joke I'm making, right? I think so. But explain we, it anyway. We need to talk about Kevin Flynn. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I, had, I mentioned him a bunch of times, so I thought we'd already talked about him. But yeah, let's let's go let's go into that. What do you guys have to say about Kevin? He's basically the um, dude. I mean, yeah, he's he's almost basically just Jeff Bridges, but there's also nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, no. I don't know. Like, I, th I, that's probably like my favorite thing about the movie. Um, one of the things he said, I like think about regularly, and I. I always struggle with like quoting it properly, but like I remember just like the the notion of it where he he's like walking away and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go knock on the sky and like listen, listen to the to sound." The sound. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 it exactly. You got it. And I, I just like that. I like how um I don't know. I just like the evolution of that character and how like he stayed in there for so long. Like, I like that, how he went from. Because in the first movie, Jeff Bridges is playing a character. He's playing very much like the 80s idea of the cool guy. And then, yeah. like, the idea of this movie is he's been trapped in this world that he made for so long that he has gone from being Kevin Flynn to just being Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Which is wonderful. He, he's been so immersed in, essentially, of his world of his own creation, where he is essentially God. He is a programmer. He's a user that he can completely rewrite the world to an extent he has to he had to develop a calm even demeanor like that in order to to function it it's it's a hippie version of like superman going like the world is made of paper 
Yeah. Also, uh, I have I have to say this quote for for our friend uh, Captain Logan. He's in a purgatory of his own making. Um, but it it like it's really good, really solid. It's interesting. It's very very on the nose, but it's interesting how like the characters that are it's the the characters that are kind of like you're unsure of are all in white. Kev- mm. Kevin Flynn is like, yeah, he's Kevin Flynn, but he's been in here so long. What the fuck's up with him? Something may be up. The 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 women who give Sam his armor, like, you don't know their fucking deal. What's going on with them? The club owner, they're all in white, and you're going like, what the fuck? Is, what's their deal? You don't, you're aren't quite sure. But everybody you're dead certain of are all wearing black. Sam, you're dead certain of he's wearing black. Clue, black. Mm. I think that it's an interesting element. I don't think there is any correlation. I, think, I had never picked up on that before, but that's, yeah, that's totally what's going on with that. I'd, I'd always just been fascinated by the fact that, like, they had to, the seamstresses on this movie had to, like, completely reinvent their way of doing things in order to incorporate working lights into their costumes. But that's also a functional thing for, like, lighting design because it's easier for, a special effects artist to to react to the light that they're emitting when compositing stuff because it's going on the skin directly. Mm-hmm. Where if they had to make it in post, it wouldn't be as convincing. That's why even though Robert Downey Jr. doesn't wear a semi-functional Iron Man armor in the movies anymore, he still has the LED light in the middle of his chest so the light still reflects properly on other people. Mm. Uh, the magic <laughs> um another thing i wanted to say just like a little, little observation little um actually for you is that people often have this misconception of this movie of like oh this movie came out in 2010 that's when social media was just starting to get big they should have really leaned into that more and done a whole thing about like oh users and programs everybody's got their online persona now no this movie is not about the internet this movie is about a singular computer that is cut off from the internet and has been on its own for like a decade and has grown and evolved on its own in that time that's why the world looks so unique and abstract if they wanted to make this a movie about the internet, they probably would have made the action-adventure version of Wreck-It Ralph 2. But there's also a a certain element. It's much more about human and technology and its relationship with itself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what he's going on. That's what Kevin uh, Kevin Flynn's always going on about. It's like, this is the next step in human evolution because this allows us to basically build ourselves up from the ground up. I want to put my brain in a computer because my body sucks. And, and, and like, you can understand where he's going, like teleportation, quantum bullshit, because like, hey, you hook these kind of computers up all across the country. Guess what? It probably takes you like 20 seconds to get from one computer to another computer. And you can just teleport there. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments in the movie is in that same scene when they're talking about the Ducatis and you get the knock on the skyline. 
um sam's bringing him up to date on the world and like he just name drops wi-fi and kevin's like what the hell is wi-fi and he goes oh that's wireless interlinking for digital devices yeah oh i thought of that in 85 i can't believe somebody actually did it like the idea that really? kevin flynn is this like he's so singularly focused on this one thing he's trying to do that he thought of wi-fi and it was like ah, i'll put that on the back burner we'll, we'll shelve that idea we'll do that later <gasps> you okay yeah dude it, 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 it'd just be like oh yeah i had a conversation with steve jobs once but like we just talked about a bunch of shit he wrote a lot of it down don't remember what <laughs> we were all high <laughs> yeah but like this this gen, this there's a lot of things this movie just got really really right and there's a lot of interest, like, it's a movie that could have only been made in and around 2010, because if it was made today, I have a feeling a lot of the production design would lean a lot heavier into, like, digital artifacting, like data moshing and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. even Vaporwave? Potentially, yes. This is This is very definitively, like, a synthwave style over substance movie um and i mean synth wave and like the the harshest darkest kind of synth wave not necessarily like 80s summer pop synth wave you you are talking about like magic sword uh and fucking the dude that drive yeah the real shit but like you can you can kind of understand, like, if they made this movie right now, like, there could be elements of, like, that retro-futuristic, overly I mean, clean CGI of, like, Vaporwave. Mm-hmm. Did you have something to say, Cody? Yeah, I was going to say, um, it almost certainly would be. Like, it almost certainly would be that, like, retro vaporwave thing like i, I almost I, I think it definitely like there's no doubt about it that that's exactly what they would do and i'm not sure if that's exactly what i would want well i don't there's, know there's certain I am. Like, i'm, sh- I'm like, sure it's what i wouldn't want like I, I like i wouldn't say like do macintosh 420 bullshit like with the fucking pink everywhere and statues i'm talking more of like the overly clean, uncanny valley CGI backgrounds, like you use some of that elements as like prop dressing and things like that to to lend a certain unreality to the world. You okay, make hallways that terrible. You make hallways that don't go to certain places, and it, it's unrealistic architecture because, well, you don't have to render everything. Uh, I, mean, I was, I was thinking more of like the like actual like. I, probably stuff closer to that, you know, like the the grid and like the DeLorean with like the virtual sunset, like that version of Vaporwave is like what we would be getting because like, I mean, it's just Tron. So like, that's why that's that like or that way. Yeah. Um, See, I'm thinking of stuff like, like Echo Jams and, and, and Corp and all the like, like oh, I sent back the album once forever ago it was it's a it's a vaporwave album by eyelash i think eyeshadow or something like that 
Sounds familiar. But like it has a very distinct uh eyeliner by now. It has a mm. very distinct visual presence. Like I I'm just sending a couple of YouTube links. I just the album art itself is what I'm kinda visualizing in certain regards. Like I can see them pulling some of this to some of this kind of like album art to kind of get some kind of influence aesthetically if they were to make it today. Potentially. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't having seen this movie as it is, I would not want that to be this movie, but I can see why that's your line of thinking. Like also, I don't need that on its own. If they were like to make it right now, I could see this being some kind of influence. Mm. But like what they were working with at the time is very much that iPhone just came out. The cold, clean, precise, everything has an exact purpose. And it's also very decorative looking. You know, I think that like not, I mean, I know we're talking about like what ifs, but like, I feel like if they were to do it, you know, I think that like, not, I mean, I know we're talking about like what ifs, but like, I feel like if they were to do it again, that, because like I said earlier, like thinking about it, like retro vaporwave shit is actually just Tron. Um, I'm thinking like, so, I mean, obviously it has a place in it because of, like, the the first movie, you know, like, that's that's kind of what it is, so it only belongs to it because it came from it. But, like, it wouldn't fit in, like, say, like, the the next movie after the one we're, uh, we're talking about because it's not the natural progression. The natural yeah. progression of everything we're presented is what you see in Legacy. Um so i don't know like i think that like maybe if you did flashbacks it could be there and it would be like oh wow i think it would really depend on like how much the system that they interact with in the potential third movie is connected to um the internet and other outside influences because that's the thing in the in the first movie that system was all the computers in mcom in this movie, it's just Kevin Flynn's personal computer that he had hidden at his arcade. Um, and and it's just one computer constantly running, maybe because they have to reiterate programs all the time, it becomes basically, for lack of a better way of describing it, computer incest, and things get hyper hyper done over and over again, and we get this kind of like large, garish, abstract symbolism in the sky for no good reason that we can see is a facsimile of like an advertisement but it's not really an like it's like an alien trying to look human thinking about about this as the as the third movie rather than the look we could have gotten for the second now now i'm like getting into it and i'm like yeah yeah i just want i just want to barge into a I I forget because the the current guy had just has just stepped down. I just want to uh, 
barge into the CEO of Disney's office and be like, full Tron into the MCU and let the three of us make the third movie. <laughs> I mean... It... I don't want that responsibility. No. <laughs> just give me... Just let me write the Sleepwalker comic book. I'll be happy. <laughs> that's That's fair. That's much more realistic expectations than I have for my success. Well, I tweeted at a... The guy who was announced to be doing the uh, Transformers prequel movie and said, please, God, put Cosmos in there. So that's that's I mean, that's not that's not an unreasonable request, in my opinion. He's he's of the 85 line. He can be roped in easily. I mean, it, it doesn't even matter like what part of the line he is. I want to like. I, I, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> You're going to get Windblade and you're going to be happy. Um, no, no, dude. They should totally make Deathsaurus the villain. Deathsaurus has to be in a Transformers movie because I know who Deathsaurus is. Honestly, though, that'd be fucking sick, though. Yeah, it would. It would be um, interesting. Uh, but we've been talking about this movie for almost an hour, and I just realized... We still haven't talked about the title character. Well, we talked about him enough. Uh, we talked about him as much as he had screen time. Yeah, because in this movie, he is relegated to Darth Maul. And then, oh, shit, I was the hero in the last one, wasn't I? It seems very much like they were setting him up as like, oh, he's going to have this long Redeemer storyline in the next movie where he's going out of his way and being reckless and going like, I must save the users. And everybody goes like, but Tron, you're fine. It's okay. Probably. I um, do like the, the dual disc design. Yeah, that that was cool. I Man, I always fucking wanted an identity disc, but I was so turned off by the rest of the, the line Spin Masters did for this movie that I never went and bought one. And now they're like 50 bucks on eBay. And I'm like, I'm not paying that price for one. Uh, and, it was also uh, the game. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, I, about, I, that's about that much. Yeah, um, that's... That's all there is to say about that, folks. There was a game. Uh, um, fun fact, you, if you want it now, you can't. So, um, oh. Oh. Yeah. They, uh, they did the thing where, like, if you, uh, if you own it and have played it, you're good. If you own it and haven't started it up, you don't own it. Um, that's dumb. You can't buy it. That's I hate that shit so much. Like fucking DRM bullshit. Yeah. yeah, that's that is like that is the exact lesson Sam Flynn was trying to fucking teach the company. <laughs> wow, a movie missed the point. A, a company missed the point of a movie they made. Color me surprised. Anyways, this this movie is this movie is great. Solid, great. Uh, production design's amazing. Sets are amazing. One hundred percent through and through my aesthetic, and um, that's largely because, and uh, I've I've been waiting I've been waiting this whole time, all month, all night to unleash this on you, Chris. 
this my evil plan has finally come to fruition. It's because this is as close as I'll probably ever come to having a live action Code Lyoko movie. All I heard was live action Code Lyoko. Yeah, this uh, this is as this is as close as I'll ever come to getting that. I mean, technically, there is like two uh, a waifu in each of them for you. Uh huh. Well, the Korra is pretty much Aelita, but she looks like Yumi, and she's not literally Kevin's daughter. But wait, what about the live-action Code Lyoko series? <laughs> Listen, buddy! <laughs> we don't talk about that here. Okay, I'll be right back. Just give me uno mento. Okay, uh, evolution is not canon. One mint. Well, it happens. It's real life canon. Can't hide from it. If I can't hide from RoboCop 3, you can't hide from that. I reject your reality and substitute my own. (laughs) God, I wish I could hide from RoboCop 3. (laughs) You can. It's just... Do the same thing I do with every Terminator movie after the first two. It's over there, and over there has to take care of its own problems. I still watch them. I haven't seen the newest one. I, but every time I come back, I'm coming back for... I, I salvage things I love about that from that, because I know that like it's not going to get any better. That's fair, but like I, I still haven't seen free, but I watched Salvation on cable once and I was like, Yeah, no, I don't need any more Terminator. I liked Salvation. It was fine, but it wasn't what I wanted from a Terminator movie. That's another movie I rewatched like a month ago. It's it's funny. Because we we just got into Terminator and one and Terminator one and two together are tied for my favorite movie of all time. And I said at the beginning of this podcast, and I do still believe that after this conversation, Tron Legacy is my second favorite movie of all time. My all time favorite movie is uh, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. That's not a bad pick. Yeah, it's um, I can't escape it. Like I keep thinking, like man, like. Because I do that a lot. I'm like, what's my this? You know, what's my all-time this? Is this... Can I really say this? And um, Wonka's always up there, and then the list falls apart immediately after that. I'm just like, well, I can't really decide against anything else. But I know I like this one a lot. For me, it's like, well, how much do I want to rewatch that right now? How much do I want to reread that right now? How much do I want to go pick up that toy and start playing with it again right now? And that's how the ranking works. That's an interesting concept. I hope I'm not making a bunch of noise right now because I'm scratching my ear. Um, this, is, this is not bad. It's an interesting concept. For me, that kind of thing is very strange, um, specifically about like rewatchability. Because um, I don't know if you are similar. Like, I don't know if you're going to be the same as I am, but like when it comes to like movies in general... I can almost never, and I mean never, I could count on like two fingers because it's two movies. Um, I could count on, 
<laughs> there's only two movies that I could like rewatch more than once within a year. Now, yeah, that design... yeah I'm kind of in the same place. I need to pine after a movie for a good long while before I can actually watch it. Like, it dissolves a little bit if I'm, like, showing somebody it, but, like, it's still rough depending on what it is. Now, um, the reason why I can't, the most specific reason is for some reason I'll just, like, if, say, I've seen it a couple months ago, I'll be like, oh, I know what happens next. Oh, I know what happens next. Like, frame by frame. And it's not that I forget what happens. You know, I could play the whole movie out, you know, but it's like, for some reason, if I've just seen it, I, I just constantly do that, and it just doesn't work out for me. I don't know. It's it's strange. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is one of those movies that I could probably just, like, watch. Um, I wouldn't, like, put it on every day, probably because of Sandlot and Space Jam. Um, <laughs> but... I don't know. The other movie is actually The Watchmen. Hmm. Oh, that's not a bad pick. Uh, it's it's just always been one of those movies where I'm like, man, I I dig this. Very clean. Very, very clean indeed. Well, that was uh, that was our new segment, learning, learning About Cody. Uh, we hope Sorry. you'll join us again next week. No, no, no. I'm trying to put you over. I, we hope you join us again next week for the uh, the next inciting installment of Learning with Cody. Chris, set a, reminder, set, set a reminder to uh, have Cody record a new Learning About Cody. Um, I mean, if in, you the, in, the, in the meantime, uh, let's find out what uh, Chris and I, and potentially Cody if he wants to, you know, I'm not opposed to having you back, sir, uh, what we're going to be discussing next time as our main topic. Are you gentlemen ready to do that? Give it to me. Okay. Next time on Analytical Fanboys, we will be discussing Be Kind Rewind. Ooh. Yeah, another one of my favorite movies. Um. It's going to be, ooh, I haven't actually watched that in a good long time. I'm kind of, I didn't thought about it in a good long I'm getting jazzed now. I'm getting jazzed. It's building. Uh, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, but for now, I say we put 25 minutes on the clock and do a little bit of what we've been up to this week. Oh, boy. Well, we've had a month. Yeah, it's it's more like just what are, uh, let's, let's yell things at each other that we have consumed recently. Well, I got caught up to One Piece. Yeah, you magnificent bastard. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> I went from chapter 440-something to 960, uh, 976. Jesus. And spent uh, like four days. Everything I know about One Piece comes from just shit best guy ever has shouted on things he's been on. I did watch his lecture, but I don't think I absorbed that much of it, because I can only remember like a few things. He didn't say that much. Um, and I, like, after I finished, got caught up to One Piece, I tried listening to his podcast. He does not remember jack shit from like a week ago. He comes off as being extremely hyperbolic about anything and everything, so that doesn't surprise me. Yep. But uh, but what One Piece? Uh, tell tell us a little bit about your your recent One Piecing and what you thought of it. Well, 
forever ago, I fucking stopped reading right before, right before the Enos uh, Enos Lobby arc, oh. which means nothing if you don't understand One Piece. Yes. Basically, it's right before like the big mid-story climax of like, oh shit, we gotta fucking storm the Marines and break uh, break people out of prison kind of storyline. Okay. So it's big, it's impactful, it's, it's this big, big to-do of things, and I stopped right before that, so it, 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 it's just been like lingering in the back of my head, it's like, hey, I should probably just actually just do One Piece, just get caught up on it, and I just was like, fuck it, let me do it. So I read the Enos Lobby arc, the Marine Ford arc, the two-year time skip arc, the Fishman Island arc, the Dress Rosa, um, Whole Cake Island, and we are currently in Wano. Okay. Wano is essentially, hey, you know feudal Edo Japan? It's that. Okay. Also, this is the arc where Oda definitively goes trans rights. Oh, shit. That's cool. I mean, he's always had, like, gender non-conforming characters, like, for a long time in his books, in the book, in One Piece. Like, back in an older arc uh, called Alabasta, one of the major characters in that was Mr. Tu Bonkle, which, that character is much more definitively a Japanese concept called an Okama. Which is more of like they're directly a man, but they're cross dressing and they're really kind of gay, and it's just like very, def- it's a very distinctively Japanese concept. Um, so there's been kind of those characters throughout, but like in Wano, there's just definitively, no, 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 this character's just a girl. That they're just a trans woman. Okay, and it's cool. She's she's genuinely one of my favorite characters. This arc, she's great. She's like nine foot tall. She's the best. <laughs> oh, so you're kind of waifu then? Fuck off, <laughs> Chris. You didn't tell me you shared my love. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Cody, are you, Cody, are you gonna make fun of me for that? I'm not going to make fun of anyone for loving Suffolk. No, Chris has, like, teased me about this. Oh! I've only ever fucking teased you about your robot fucking. No, you've you've teased me about the Amazon thing. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. At best, it was probably, like, punch girls. I feel so awkward. or Or, like, you like a girl that can choke you out. Yeah. The only other time Chris, I, can, I know I can Chris. definitively have teased you about girl is the one that fucking called you daddy because you looked like her father. No, we didn't have to. We didn't have to drag that out here, right? Gentlemen, That's not what please. I've been doing this month. Yeah, uh, yeah, Cody, Cody, why don't you? Uh, what's up and fun you did this month that you you're excited to talk about? Fun. <laughs> The concept is strange to me. I mean... 
I live in a strange world where I pretty much get almost every new game that's interesting. Um, oh, wow. Because I have a friend who uh, just practically has a disposable income. And any game that I'm not, like, buying myself, if it's, like, a multiplayer game we can play together, if it's just something that he thinks I should play, he buys it for me. I never... It, it, it's it's a very weird, like, micro-subject that we don't have to talk about right now, but just know that, like, it's not something I'm like, hey, do this. It's something that he's, like, actively doing it, and sometimes he does it for selfish reasons when there's something that he wants to play and he wants us to play it with him. But anyways, so, like, I've probably played... I played the Predator game, which is eh. Uh, SnowRunner was, like, one of my most anticipated games this year, funnily enough. <laughs> um... And I've been playing some of the newer Call of Duty and getting back into that. However, I think if there's anything I'd want to talk about, like the two things that I'm definitely like, man, this month, and just like the past, I think because Clone Wars was also a little bit of last month as well. Um, I've been watching all of Clone Wars, and I watched the Midnight Gospel in two days. And the Midnight Gospel is one of my favorite things right now. Oh, I also watched all of Steven Universe Future. Damn. Um, so I have no idea what it is, so I'm automatically the most interested into it. Elaborate on what the Midnight Gospel is. Okay, so I don't know much about uh, Duncan Trussell, I think his name is. Um, but essentially, he does like a talk show. Um, I I'm not sure if he his you know it has to be he has to have done it with this purpose of it being animated but he gets these like really interesting people people who've like written books on like the concept of life and death or just like people who were in a position to talk about like um just the legalization of marijuana and how it could potentially be like something that like is the answer to uh the opioid issue in america um to like his, well, I'm not even going to say that part because that's a surprise. Um, he he interviews very interesting people, and then it's animated by Pendleton Ward, and like the animation is completely what? blown out of like it's just it's very like trippy and stylized. But the thing is, like, think of it as like two parallel trains where like the animation has its own story. And the talk show has its own story, except they're like, they're, they're directly correlating, but like, sometimes you could catch yourself following one thing and then like, there's something else happening over here and like the, what they're discussing. Um, okay. They're I, just, like, I just did a Google image search. This looks fucking dope. Dude. It's so good. I cried. I'll say that. It's like, it's amazingly good. I had like, I ugly cried, so, like... Wow. So, get yeah. into it. This is <laughs> definitely I think it's probably, on. like, eight episodes. But it's not even something that you could, like, do a podcast on, because every single episode is, like, here's, like, a massive topic. I mean, one of them is literally, like, the concept of life and death, so, like, that's literally... <laughs> you probably... Um, it looks fucking dope. It One of these episodes is just a Douglas Adams book. Uh, um, should I go on the suffering now? Yeah, yes. Sure. Uh, well, 
I've been I've been doing a whole bunch of stuff while I've been gone, uh, mainly moving. But uh, as far as media consumption, I think the biggest thing is just that uh, over the last couple of weeks, I kind of got burned out on current wrestling due to uh, Black Wednesday, which if you know what that is, you know, if you don't, I don't I, I really shouldn't elaborate on it because it'll turn into a giant rant. Um, I'll just explain to Cody real quick. WWE just fired a bunch of people. I, I do know about that. Um, okay, cool. Okay. I, yeah, it basically made me turned off to any and all current wrestling, even the stuff that no. wasn't being put out by WWE. Um, so I was like, shit, I do still want to watch wrestling, though. What's something I can watch that's kind of old, but I'll also be into? Um, oh, fuck, that's right. I've never seen the old episodes of Being the Elite. I started watching Being the Elite when AEW got announced. I'm going to rewatch all of Being the Elite. And so in the last week, I have watched Being the Elite episodes 1 through 73. Everything Mm -hmm. from the beginning up till the Bullet Club invasion of Raw. Damn. Yeah. Um, it's like, I always kind of, I knew people really liked being the elite, but I never really knew why I was like, oh, it's kind of this, uh, this goofy travel log slash skit show they threw together. And now it's the backstage skits for AEW. That's cool. Um, but no, watching it and actually seeing stuff like Nick progressing as a filmmaker, um from episode one onward and like getting better as an editor and getting new tools and stuff like that and seeing like kenny go from like no guys i'm not actually a heel i'm just i'm just very passionate when i'm cutting promos and stuff don't worry too like i'm fucking megan megan michael i'm gonna talk the bucks into poisoning adam cole um and seeing cody just go from this guy in the background yelling fuck the revival every once in a while to like the most pissed off and passionate member of the group who talks them into invading raw it's it's such a great journey so far and like it's making me appreciate these not not these characters these people who i already really like because i'm a huge AEW mark um it's it's making me appreciate them in a whole new light um and uh yeah it's 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 such a good thing like it's it's really rough in the first 10 episodes but like if you can get yourself through that which is fairly easy because they're only 10 episodes a pop or 10 minutes a pop i mean um if you can get yourself through that you, you will really be able to get into it um after a while because it's just this constant slow build of things getting better and better and more involved and long time viewers are rewarded as the show goes on yeah like that there's a weird thing where like all these different kind of storytelling mediums really embraced the internet at kind of similar time. Music embraced it at same times like movies and skits and all that kind of stuff. Wrestling was like a good five, six years later. Mm-hmm. Because Vince McMahon thought it was still the nineties. Yeah. And like a lot of the industry just kind of follows after WWE. Mm-hmm. 
But that's, but that's then, why the elite are so you, fucking cool. They changed the world, basically. And then Zack Ryder did it, and he got punished. So everybody was like, eh, maybe we shouldn't. And then the elite did it, and then Matt Hardy came in and came went like, all right, cool. Let me crank it up a notch. Mm-hmm. And now it's just open season. Like, I watch Sammy Guevara's vlogs because he's in AEW, but I'm sure there's like a bajillion Sammy Guevara's out there right now. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. What's something else I could talk about? Um, I suppose for Chris's benefit, I could just run down every new song I've listened to in the last month. Just give just give me a couple bands, and we'll talk about bands and music. Uh, you know what? Let's just let's just hit the big one. I know we have in common right away. What do you think of the new Orville Peck single? I haven't listened to it. I Whoa! Listened to it. <laughs> I, I I've been jamming out too hard to run the jewels. That's understandable. They have but... like their new song is fucking a banger. And the music video is also great because it takes place in basically after the world just goes like, you know what? Fuck capitalism and just completely upend the government and are just putting all the money into a pile in the middle of L.A. and burning it and dancing. So the song of our people. Yes. And like, it's really cool. It's really great. And De La Roach is there for no reason. He's not in the song. He's just in the music <laughs> video. <laughs> So the lead singer of Rage Against the Machines just hanging out. I was like, hey, what's up, guys? Excellent. It's probably um, per promotion for the the tour they're doing, which is Rage Against the Machine and Run the Jewels. Um, well, well, Summertime by Orville Peck is the exact opposite of that. It's basically him just doing like a, a slow but very, very charming uh, love song about... Uh, wanting about having a summer romance um, while he's slowly being consumed by a giant tree. And inherently by being Orville Peck, it's extremely gay. Yeah. Um, And I loved it. Uh, I did listen to a few new Oingo Boingo songs. Well, new to me, Oingo Boingo songs. Yeah, boy. Weird Science. Okay. Gray Matter. Perfect. And Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party's great. Gray Matter is one of my favorite tracks of all time. Gray, Ma- Gray Matter was like the one I was least into. <laughs> it's such a good. It's such a good song though because it's all just about like, hey, fuckers, you're smarter than you think you are. Use your fucking brain. I did like it, but just like the beat of the song didn't sit right with me, so I couldn't. It, it, it's a it's a beat that's heavily on the marimba. You gotta be into the marimba and not the xylophone or else you get a bunch of skeletons because can we talk about that fucking short? I sent it to both of you and it's just fantastic. What short is this again? Okay. It's a little animated short of two musicians about to play a show. They look out and there's a bunch of skeletons and they're going like, why is there a bunch of skeletons? Oh, wait a second. Our last album had had some xylophone in it. All right. Because we were trying to do the marimba thing. It's a nice woody tone. We shouldn't Worth we shouldn't goodness. have cheated out? It was a, a perfect short. I love it. I remember this. Yeah, I genuinely good. go back to it like once a week and re-listen to the song. <laughs> By the way, um, Chris, um, 
Sorry if I'm interrupting. No, no, no. you're good. Uh, I was going to mention, they uh, have an Adult Swim short out right now. Oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. And, oh, like, shit. whenever you sent that to me, I remember I was like, I was like, whoa, I think I know. Like, this animation style looks similar to me. Um, and then I was like, I've, like, watched all of their old videos. Um, I know I know the the one dude, I don't think it's Oni. Like in that group of creators had a had a thing on uh, Adult Swim recently. Oh no, it's uh Psycho Pebbles and Psycho it's, Pebbles. Uh, uh, what is it? Something Friends, Smiling yeah. Friends. I watched like I the first that. ten minutes of it and I oh, loved it. I, I love just it. I need to finish it. It, um, it's definitely it's definitely something I I find extremely funny, but it's like I gotta be in that funny mood because it gets dark. <laughs> Very quickly. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, well, just just real quick to wrap up the Oingo Boingo discussion. Uh, Weird Science was legit stuck in my head for a few days. I I kind of love it, and I'm shocked I didn't I hadn't heard it before because apparently it was like one of their biggest hits. Uh, and Dead Man's Party is also very good, but uh, it's it I, it strikes me as a song that I'm gonna have to be in the mood for. It's a song you play at midnight. October 30th, waiting mm-hmm. into Halloween. Yeah. It is exactly. a Halloween track. Um, I mean, 90% then, of Boingo Boingo is Halloween tracks because, like, there's, they're so Halloween kind of centric. Okay. Uh, I also listened, to, or I watched the new Gorillas video for Aries. That's the one where it's all inverted, right? I think so. Yeah, this was like a couple weeks ago. All the new Gorillaz tracks have been fucking banger. Yeah, oh, this one, this one was so good. Um, have you I been listening to the new Gorillaz stuff, Codes? No, I've only. Uh, am I unmuted? Okay, yeah. Um, I only uh, have listened to the two, the first two, mm. the the one that had the more uh, like African vibe, and then like the first one they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of like slipped off my radar. They've only made one more since then, so it's not hard to catch oh, okay. catch up. All right. Well, I've been going for a bit. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to bring up? If you don't have anything online, Chris, I do. Go. Um, one thing I've listened to that can pop. I, can, I like try to like. I often put like my shit on like a yeah. There's two. There's two artists I could like definitely talk about for sure. Um, so I've I've listened to the in, in entirety. I actually like sat down and listened to um, the new Ozzy Osbourne album, and I Ooh. like it. Um, I think there's like one song on there that I'm like iffy about. Uh, I really do like the. Um, Ordinary Man song. I don't know if y'all listened to that yet. Um, or I have any interest in that. I'm sure Chris does. Because um, that's Elton John and Ozzy Osbourne. And those are like in my list of like top five. I'm like, yep, dude, those two. Like, Immediately that sounds like chocolate and peanut butter put together to me. So yes, I need to find that. Yeah, It's, it's good. Um, but the last two songs are... The first one is that song that he did with um, Post... Post Malone and um, 
then the one after that is him, Post Malone, and Travis Scott. And they're good. It's good. I like it. One of them's called like uh like Raid and it's just like punch shit like nice. I I really appreciate it. And I don't know, that's definitely worthwhile. Um and I've been listening to a tobacco album on repeat. One yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you sent me the link to that. Yeah. I think I was trying to send a link to a specific song and I sent a link to the, album. the entire album, um, which is fine. It's all good. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's like really been... Let me just open Spotify. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got my Spotify up because I've been... I've basically just been building a, a playlist to fucking mow because our yard is so big it has to be mowed now. Right. So I just got... Now I'm running. having, like... Now you've induced, like, non-flashbacks to mowing the lawn when I lived in Florida, Chris. <laughs> no, I got some Rammstein, uh, Mindless Self-Indulgence, Fever 333. Goddamn, Fever 333 is just so fantastic. Uh... Some pup, Rob Zombie, Power Man five thousand. See, my recent liked songs are Joe Wong Dreams Wash Away, which is from the Midnight Gospel. Uh, a specific Lupe Fiasco song from a newer album, because Lupe Fiasco is probably my favorite rapper. Um, and then it's Ozzy Osbourne stuff and Oh yeah, there's there's like stuff on here that I've always loved that I had to re-like because Spotify did that thing where like it unliked stuff, but apparently mm-hmm. it didn't actually unlike it, it just showed it as unliked, but like I didn't trust that, so I just re-liked everything that I liked or tried to. Um so I don't know. Oh, I found a metal version of Gas 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 and Running in the Nineties. Bitchin. I mean That's, I like, just actually good. I've been listening to a good amount of metal, but it's all been like industrial kind of stuff. Static X, Rammstein, things like that. I need to get back into more like traditional classic style pure metal. I I did start listening to some power metal and that was good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the most metal thing I've listened to recently is I've kind of gotten obsessed with The Undertaker's new theme, Now That We're Dead, by Metallica. Oh, baby's first metal. Yep. (laughs) Uh, 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 Don't worry, you'll soon start be listening to atmospheric black metal. I just walk up to Few and I'm like dressed as like a, a ten times more metal guy than him and he's like, Jesus, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, we all watch Few. All of us do. Oh shit! I I I oh I should I should have guessed that, but um, fucking have you guys seen the Alternator Swindle video yet? Yes. Yes. Uh, it was, it was good. so good. Fucking. I was just... uh, I'm happy to see any reviewer do anything that's not current. Um, yeah. Because I don't know if Chris has ever mentioned anything like this to you before. But um, I want to start doing that stuff. Oh, awesome! But I I'm not gonna be like a, this is the latest thing. 
I am currently like I, I'm pretty much already there. I don't really need to buy anything else, um, which won't stop me at all. But um, I, I I'm pretty much I pretty much own like a, a mini personalized like museum of like weird oddity shit. Like I don't Excellent. know if you watch Toy Galaxy. Um, I just got like, into them. I'm kind of like my own oddities. Like I have um. One of my favorite things is oh, I'm not going to segue on this. I'm, I'm I was totally about to segue for like an hour, so I don't know if you guys want to uh, do that. No, no. Uh, I mean, like that's that's super awesome to hear because that's the kind of stuff I've been doing with uh, my channel recently up until I had to move. Also, I I was like directly mimicking Fuse style, but I was like Fuse in '80s slash early '90s kid. I'm a 2000s kid. I'm going to just prattle on about, like, Armada and fucking Rescue Heroes and the fucking G.I. Joe Valor versus Venom. Like, that's my shit. Man, that's, uh... Yeah, dude, me too. Um, should I have sent... I'm... Should I have sent you his YouTube channel before now, Cody? Probably? <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, I still own all of my Valor versus Venom figures. <laughs> I mean, and you so, just bought those uh, Sigma Six guys. Just before yeah. I moved, I did a forty-minute collection tour. So maybe you can watch that and be like, "Oh, I have that. I have that. I have that." Yeah, man, I wish I could do a collection tour, but like ninety percent of it's it, in boxes. Yeah, there a lot of it's in box, man. So like, I I went to UNF, um, and I boxed everything up. I had a lot of stuff displayed. I boxed everything up went to unf left most of it here and then took some of it with me uh mainly like my my japanese toys and my transformers um the the, the two things where i'm like if there was a fire these are my children like yeah. um unfortunately it can't be like that anymore because there's too many things i care about um my micro machines also came up there with me but um i uh i boxed everything up and then when i came back i didn't unbox anything i've been here for like a year and a half and I just don't want to unbox anything for, like, other reasons. But I got a job, so, like, I've had income to just, like, collect more. And so th on three separate occasions have I, like, decorated my entire room with stuff again and then boxed that up, stacked it up on the stack, and then redecorated and then boxed it back up again. Like, <laughs> like put more That's stuff. That's that's kind of the situation I'm starting to get into because I was working a job where I didn't have very much money to spend on toys, but I was still collecting for a very long time. And then just recently I came into where I have a good bit of money to spend on toys. So like in this move, I have about a quarter of my stuff unpacked and I'm planning to unpack the rest tomorrow. Um... But, like, I really want to take advantage of this this space I've got because not only do I have my bedroom here, but I've basically been given carte blanche with our uh, work workshop, which is basically a garage, but you can't get a car in there. So I have, like, this big workbench that wraps around the whole building that I can use as just a continuous shelf. And then in some spots, there's little shelves beneath that. And also on one, one wall, there's one of those big white pegboards. So Ooh. I'm like, 
that's where all my roleplay toys are going. I'm planning to hang up my common Rider belts, like how you see some wrestlers hang the championships they've won. And I'm just a poor boy who can't buy shit. Question. Um, is the workshop a functional workshop and going to be used as such? Yes. it's it's. Pl- I'm planning to have it be for multiple things. It's going to be my studio for making videos. It's going to be where my collection is stored and displayed. It's going to be my home gym. And it's also going to be where we keep my dad's tools uh, because you, you don't notice, but people listen to the podcast notice. My dad is disabled and he basically can't get out there. So it's up to me to do s- stuff that a dad would normally do now. So... I last weekend went through all his old tools, took inventory of everything we had and anything we had doubles of. I'm planning to see if I can hawk at a pawn shop and give the money to my mom. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, th- the back part of that uh, workbench that wraps around the building is where the tools are. And that will be like, if something is broken, we will set it on there. And on the weekend, I will f- try and fix it. And if not, I will look up how to fix it. Hmm. I was only also, um, that's really cool. Um, but I was gonna say like, I was just thinking about dust and stuff. Ah, dust. Uh, before I brought anything in there. Um. Yeah. And, uh, Chris, speak. That's. Uh, I don't have money. I can't buy shit. Oh, that 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 puts a dampener because I was about to be oh. like, "Hey, Cody, you wanna you wanna go through our backlogs? What what we have that we haven't opened yet?" Uh, like, we have the, la- oh, the last the last few yeah. toys I've had. Cody bought me for presents. Oh no! What was the last thing I got you? Uh, the Matchbox Subaru Sandbar and the Lightning Collection Red Ranger. Yeah, the Lightning Collection is the more important one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So Cole got a job, too. Cole's one of my best friends, by the way. Um, Cole got a job, and so me and him are just constantly hitting up various stores while we're out doing our life. Um, And we've been picking up each other uh matchbox and hot wheels and i like i've like not that i ever left but like i'm like all the way back into like recollecting like matchbox and hot wheels especially because um, of gaslands i remember yeah, you guys we'll see. uh you were talking about that in the podcast thing you did uh together that that's super crazy to me because like Toy car collecting is just a whole world that I've never really gotten into. Like, I liked Hot Wheels Highway 55. I had that movie as a kid. But I never really was, like, super into Hot Wheels. I had some, but it it wasn't a huge thing for me. Hmm. I don't know. Like, it's always been a part. I don't know. I, I, I I can't remember if I mentioned it in the other podcast we did, but, like, I don't know. I was almost a mechanic. I grew up just loving stuff like that, so I don't know. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's mostly what you did in high school, was just shop. Yeah. I mean, Chris is already way more mechanically inclined than I am, and I get the feeling that you're a good bit more mechanically inclined than he is. 
Cody's much more of like machine metal, that kind of stuff. I am a carpenter. Yeah. Um, we do similar things, and there, we have a lot of overlapping stuff. But like, he's been trained far more in carpentry than like I have. So I, I picture it, I picture like, a scene where like Chris is finishing up a chair, and then you just pull up in a hot rod, and you're like, "The future is now, old man," and you speed off. I'm um my major in college is uh, ceramics and sculpture, so and a lot of um, your a lot of your media is metalwork. Yeah, that was kind of. I don't think that's as much me as it is like what, what you I had was to be being taught and what okay. I had now. Yeah. I mean, in part, one day in the future, when we're all in Orlando and we have a makerspace, you're just you can just make toy reviews and sculptures all day long. Yeah. Oh yeah, that but. does remind me. That's what um like my ideal space is um I want to like for like my collection. I want like, I guess what you could consider like a dry or like, um, I I want a workbench there. But I also want a um an actual functional like work area that I wouldn't have normal stuff displayed in. But like I want. I mean, literally, like the amount of the sheer amount of stuff I own dictates a floor to ceiling shelving space for all of the walls of almost probably any space that I could like feasibly. So, so you want to have something like uh, MMPR Toys's uh, Megazord display? MMPR. MMPR Toys, uh, Bruno and Mia. I might have watched some of that but i've not seen the collection display um, uh you, you might want to watch divided as one he does like more up close looks at it there that's their that's their vlog channel i say in air quotes because they do vlogs on mpr toys too um but, yeah, i don't know it's it's always gonna be it's gonna like i've looked at how Theo does his stuff um, and I'm, I've had things displayed like that before but I can't I just it's too cluttered for me um, I want something that I could like look at every individual like item and be like be able to just see it like wherever it is I want to be able to see it like top to bottom almost um, just details as far as the eye can see yeah, like I said, I, I literally want like wherever I live after after here to just be like, all right, welcome to my toy museum. Check this out. I um, my room before I moved to UNF actually had a lot in common with like a comic toy store where there's like a bunch of carded and like mitten box retro shit just chilling around. Um, nice. And then like you know the other thing. And, like, even right now, I do have a lot of stuff that, like, because I don't like to save boxes. Sometimes I do. It depends on what it is. Um, yeah. I remember you saying that in the uh, in the Hangout cast you guys did. Yeah. Um, and, like, I totally get that. I was that way with some things for a while. Like, a lot of my 
because uh, a side thing in my collection is I'm trying to buy every figure of Supergirl ever made. Um, so a lot of my Supergirls were boxed for a while, uh, but then I kind of just got into this let them breathe mentality, and now I open everything. Like, I bought pre-carded Valor vs. Venom figures the other day, and they're sitting on the shelf that's right next to me right now in my two-open pile. Valor versus Venom. Oh, right. Sorry, I was... That's... Um, I, I Because you mentioned Supergirl, I was thinking Marvel Legends, even though I know that's not... I was just thinking comic <laughs> characters. Um, there's a new... Well, G.I. Joe technically is comic characters. Right, yeah, especially that... Uh, which we are is my getting the new preferred. Um, Bro, my I'm preferred, tempted uh, to just stalk my Walmart for the next week because I was in there getting groceries today and they had three giant pallets next to the toy section of just a bunch of cases of stuff that all said Hasbro Spring Product and in the toy aisles, there were planograms up, and I'm like, there's fucking classified series cases on those pallets. They're buried in there somewhere. If I come back see, in an hour, they're going to be out. They're going to be out. See, my thing with the classified is I'm not actually worried about tracking that down in store because I'm like, oh, I'm buying the box and sending it to my house. Like, that's as much as I want to find out in the wild and then I enjoy that. I'm like, nope, everything there I want. It's done, done deal. Like I don't have to fuck around with that. Like, just give it and to it's me. probably gonna be like that every single time. That's I, like, fair. The um, day, the day they do a a, a bat, a cobra bat. Oh, 17, 17 of them bought. Yes, repaint yes. that. Seventeen more bought. Like yes, yes, yes. I'm done with Daniel Bryan. Um, I am. I'm so excited for that line, and honestly, I get the whole just buy the case and have it shipped to me thing, but, like, I've, ever since, uh, I had to start, I had to start actually looking for something, which was when I was getting into the Lightning Collection really heavily, and I had, and I was looking for the, uh, the Walgreens Black Ranger with the shield, um, I, I, I kind of gained this new appreciation for actually buying my toys at stores and having to look for them. So now I, I used to be like everything goes in an Amazon wish list. And when I have money, I just buy like the the first couple cheapest things in there. Um, now I'm much more like I just want to walk into a store and see what's there. And hopefully it's something I'll freak out over. Like I've got a local yeah. toy store. I try to go there at least once a month and I always leave with like. 10 figures that I spent 50 bucks on in total. God, dude, if I had a local toy store, they would definitely know me in my entire life story. Yeah. There's a bunch in Gainesville, which is going to be my next go. Um, but can you take me with you? <laughs> yeah. Save him. What? I, didn't I would like it. to hashtag free um, boingo. Side note, Chris, um, if things happen the way that, God, please let them happen this way, Gage is leaving the company. I'm going to be ASM. Do you want a job? I would I love one, a job. and I will just try and figure out the best way to get there. Oh, my Bitch, God, I'll that's pick so you awesome up. that we just got this in the podcast. <laughs> 
It's legally binding. Right. You have to do it. <laughs> this is a part of Chris's character arc now. <laughs> it's deep lore. Uh, I, and on that like, for note, real. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to... We can, we will keep talking off recording, but on, on that note, we have been going for a little over an hour and a half, so I think it's it's time to to wrap it up here. So, uh... Right. Let's let the guests go first. Uh, Cody, do you have anything you would like to plug before we sign off here? Um, I think uh, I think the, the things I did last time, I'll just do it again, um, which I have to look them up again since I'm so good at social media. Um, well, your Instagram's never underscore robot. Yes, that's what I was staring at right now to mention. So let I'm me gonna, go over to my Twitch. I'm going to look you up on Instagram right now. Um, I am going to start streaming more frequently on Twitch because I got SnowRunner and like I do enjoy playing this game and streaming it. Um, my Twitch is all lowercase Snowcone and then the number 83. So. And I've been like, my Instagram is like me things and then it's become a lot of toy things. It's kind of like everything. It's also meant to like focus as an art thing, but there hasn't been a whole lot of art in a while. Ah, that's so. understandable. Instagram is kind of tricky if you don't, if you're not super into it. Oh, I man, say speaking as somebody who is not super into it. <laughs> um, Chris, what's your shit? Hi, I'm Chris Boingo-Rider-Gaston. I make YouTube editorials on dumb shit. Uh, you can find myself at Boingo-Rider on YouTube. The link to that is in the description. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which I fucking hate and don't use, so don't fucking follow me on Twitter. I <laughs> want every excuse not to use that trash website at Boingo underscore uh, writer. And I'm on Instagram at Boingo underscore writer. Uh, and if you want, you can join my Discord server. Both of these fuckers are in it. Why won't you be? Join us. One of us. One of us. One of us. I sometimes post memes. Back posts a lot more. Uh, I am the Vacuuminator. I am a toy reviewer, vlogger, person on the tubes of you. You can find me at youtube.com slash user slash the Vacuuminator. That is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C- U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram with those same handles. Uh, I've got a Patreon. Donate it to if you want to. If you don't, I don't fucking care. It's fine. I'll never have a career at this. I get that now. Um, hey, we're Modular Media. You could subscribe to us to get more episodes of this podcast as they come out. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be pretty great. It'd also be pretty dope and great if you rang the bell to get notifications. And hey, if you want to listen to the show on the go, we understand. There is a Google Drive folder in the video description. You can download episodes as MP3s from there if you don't have YouTube Premium. And if you want to keep up with updates on the show as we are able to make them available to you, aka as I remember that we have these accounts, you can follow us on Twitter at the Modular Media, and you can subscribe to our subreddit r/modularmedia. But that will do it for this episode. We will see you next time when we will be discussing "Be Kind, Rewind." And now you have to listen to this entire podcast backwards.
shit. Why?